The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. When you got a love and it's good like it should be Makes you never want to give it up Cause you know that some people die for love And I believe it's true cause I do the same for you Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. Streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she mediates business, employment, divorce, privacy, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI, and she trains corporate leaders' powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about a the heart of the fight and this is about a couple's guide to common fights and what they really mean and how they can bring you closer so that's almost the name of the book that we're going to be talking about i've been reading this wonderful book by judith wright edd and bob wright edd and let me tell you we got judith with us on the phone from beautiful chicago right near michigan avenue and she can see the lake and we've just been talking so let me tell you a little bit about judith she is a world-renowned uh, couples and lifestyle coach and she's a speaker a consultant a professor and a best-selling author and she's appeared on 2020 oprah good morning america and today and she is a professor actually of transformational coaching at the Wright Graduate University for the Realization of Human Potential, and she's president of the Wright Foundation, which happens to be a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to helping individuals bring out the best personally and professionally. And here's a couple of the books she wrote There Must Be More Than This, and then The One Decision, The Soft Addiction addiction solution and the award-winning transform the science of spectacular living and then of course this newest book which just came out in february this year the heart of the fight and that is really a fun book it's called a couple's guide to 15 common fights what they really mean and how they can bring you closer and Jack Canfield, who many of us know, great guy, says an inspirational and eye-opening wake-up call for anyone who wants to create authentic 
thriving relationship. So we are just so thrilled to have Judith join us all the way from Chicago. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. It's great being with you, Mary. Thank you. I want to just tell everybody that they can learn more about her at conflicthealing.com where they can see her picture, the JPEG of her book with this great knot on on the front, the heart that looks like a heart, and also at Judith Wright. That's W R I G H T dot com. So, how come you wrote this book? <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> you know, my husband and I wrote it together, and there's a reason for that. We've been doing couples coaching for over 30, 35 years, actually, and running uh, couples programs and doing research on couples and relationships, and he and I are in relationship. And we realized we had discovered through our work and our research and our relationship, we've really discovered what it takes to have a thriving relationship and how important conflict is to that and how to deal with that. And with just the results were really wonderful, and we were seeing them year after year, and we just we have to get this out. We, and people uh, people were begging us, please write a book on this. We, we need to get this out. I want to share this with my friends. So we did, and that's the, the heart of the fight, to really crystallize what we found in the research and the skills and the tools to really help people have great, thriving, intimate relationships. Yeah, and I just love it. We were talking before we came on that, you know, our new book, Fighting for Love, Turned Conflict into Intimacy. We're on the same page. We yeah. realize that conflict is, we wanted to call our book The Gift in Conflict, but no one liked that name. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And I like the concept, obviously. <laughs> right, right. But but I think we're on the same page to yeah. understand most people are really afraid of conflict. Right. They think that you shouldn't have conflict if yeah. you have a good marriage. And yeah. they're they're afraid of fighting. They think it's a bad thing, but you and I happen to disagree about that, that uh, that conflict really is a gift for helping us to get closer if we if we do it in the right way. So yep, why don't you tell so. us about what is the right way? <laughs> yeah, well, no pun on my last name, right? With that, <laughs> right on it. You know, it just well, it just means it underlined the importance of it because I mean, I was kind of conflict averse myself in relationship. Anger was scary to me. I thought it meant something bad and dangerous. I I didn't realize it was only by learning the skills of really engaging in conflict with my husband and really realizing how important it was that the truth would come out, that things I didn't even know I thought or felt would come out in a fight, that we could use that to really understand ourselves and one another more, that we could actually get closer, that, that actually our conflicts were the place where intimacy was forged. I mean, rather than keeping us from intimacy, if something's wrong, it actually led us to be closer once we really learn how to mine what a fight's about, because there's always hidden meanings in a fight. There's always more truth trying to come out, and if we can mine it, if we can learn the skills to really process that fight and find out what it's really about, uh, it's just, it's an amazing thing, because you, and I think part of it, you know, is really understanding that the purpose of a relationship, I mean, really, it's for us to learn and grow. It's not for everything just to be nicey-nice all the time. That's boring. That gets pretty static. But if you look at fights as a way that you can learn about yourself and learn about each other and grow from it and your understanding, wow, it's this huge gift for intimacy once we learn how to do that. Right. And that's the key, is learning how to do that, because I've been doing divorce mediation for 30 years, and yeah. I see people who don't know how to do it, that, right. the, that the, the essence of what I see every day is that people are criticizing each other, and I right. sit in the middle, you know, it's not like yeah. litigation. Yeah. I'm, I'm the monkey in the middle watching this and trying to help them to, to diverse, you know, divert themselves from the blame and the right. guilt and the anger and the, and the 
the criticism and the judgments and the just talking at each other instead of really hearing each other. So, so yeah, so you and I are on the same page yeah. because you really, once you learn the skills yeah. of how to really hear each other and listen to each other, then you you become mirrors for each other and, and help each other to evolve. Well, and I think there's a, kind of a delicate balance between that because what you're saying is so right on. It's so spot on. At the same time, you know, for us, we don't want people to be fake or to not right. express themselves. So how do you be real? Let your anger be there. Let the feelings be there. But then be able to kind of navigate through that. So what we use are, are these rules of engagement, and they actually help you become more responsible with it. And it might be that you blurt out a mean thing or you say a cranky, awful something or you use a bad word or you know you're you're just so frustrated and things bubble up that's not the big issue i mean i don't mean that people should pound on each other obviously but that that's you know people are going to be people and some nasty stuff is going to come out sometimes it's what you do with that afterwards it's like wow do you look at wow i was out of line do you take responsibility for it so i'm actually gonna give you two of our rules of engagement that help there's seven of them but they all help but one is that nobody gets more than 50 percent of the blame Right. So you can blame, but you have to look at, you know, what was my part in that? How could I have made that different? How could I have asked for it or set things up differently? You know, what could I have done that only can give 50% of the blame? And that each of you is 100% responsible for your own satisfaction and happiness. That it can't be something you just dump on the other. If you're not satisfied, then there's something more to go for. If you're not really happy, then there's something you need to be expressing more fully and not just waiting for the other person to change. Those two things, that level of taking responsibility, can are the beginning. They can help you unpack a fight to really f- just not because it's such a powerless thing when it's all all your partner's fault. You can't do anything about that. You know, right. than blame and criticize and have contempt, and that doesn't take you anywhere. But if you can look at you know. What is not to over not to take more blame than you need to, but really take responsibility and only fifty percent of the blame. That starts to get some kind of some uh, ground rules down so that things don't go so far out of hand. You're going to laugh at this. I had a couple. They were married like I think fifty five years and wow. came to me right, and yeah. they were like in their seventies and uh, late seventies. And I started out like saying, like, okay, one of the first things we need to remember is that you're only 50% responsible for the problems in your marriage. You, you know, you're 100% responsible for how you think, but you're 50% responsible. And, and, and I remember the woman turned to him and said, he is 90% <laughs> responsible for all the problems in our marriage. <laughs> there it is right there. That was it. Yeah. That was, I mean, yeah. it was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. I, I, you yeah. know, this, this is what people do when they go right. through a divorce is that they just, yeah. they don't do those rules of engagement. But let's, right. let's talk about it. You've, you've only got seven. Let's, let's kind yeah. of go through those great. seven because they're okay. great. They're really helpful. The first two kind of set the context for your whole relationship, and they can, like, if you can use these before a fight, they're helpful, but you can also use them during a fight. The first one is to really accentuate the positive. Now, it may just sound like kind of pop, you know, pop psychology, but it's extremely important to really be focusing on what's positive in your relationship, having more affirmation, more affection, looking for the things each other is doing that's actually good or helpful. I mean, really, and acknowledging that, really working on searching out the positive, because once you start looking for the negative, 
negative, that's all we're going to see. Exactly. We have to kind of train ourselves to look at the, the goodness and, and the things we fell in love with and the uh, kindnesses that exist because they're there even in a really crappy relationship. They still exist. Right. And, the, and the second one is to minimize the negative. And, of course, we need to do that. But those are the things you just named, all the defensiveness and stonewalling and withholding and withdrawing and contempt and criticism. We will do those things. It's part, part of being human. I'm not saying people have to be totally responsible with every utterance they make, but for every snarky, eye-rolling comment we make, what the studies show is we need five of those positives to start to balance it off. And it's when that ratio gets out of balance that there's problems. I mean, couples don't break up because they fight. They don't break up because there's negative things. They break up because there's not enough positives right. to really get that trust and goodwill built up. So those two are kind of contextually important, and, and even in a fight, <laughs> you can use those. So those two, and then, then the 50% blame only <laughs> and 100% responsibility for your own satisfaction and happiness are the first four rules of engagement. And then these other ones are really helpful, too, is that the next one, the fifth one, is to express and agree with the truth always. Because a lot of times in fights, if you can just real recognize the truth that your partner's saying, even though you don't like it, you know, there's times that I've said to my, oh, I, I hate it, but you're right, darn it, oh, and I don't even want to give you the satisfaction right. of telling you, but to even say good point, or I got it, or yes, that's true, that oftentimes fight can just disappear, you know, they start to dissipate, the charge goes out of it, if you can acknowledge the truth. To express it, of course, and acknowledge it when your partner's saying the truth. It's right. so, so critical because oftentimes you're mad, you don't want to give them the satisfaction, and then it just keeps escalating. That one, that one cuts them just right there. Now, let me give you a couple others, and then we can unpack them a little bit. Yeah. And then the, the sixth rule is to fight for, not against. Because to fight for something, to fight for an outcome, for, to fight for what it is that really matters to you, not just against your partner or just against their point, what is it that you really yearn for? What do you want? And what result do you want to fight for that rather than just dissing your partner or dissing their point? That one's really important as well. And then finally, the last one is number seven, is to assume goodwill. And that's hard sometimes when you're in a yeah. fight. You know, your heart's pounding, your anger is surging through you, your, your partner looks like a predator, you know, yeah. looks like a, this mean-spirited, horrible person. In that moment, it's hard to get it. In fact, the studies show when, when we're in those high physi physiological arousal rates and your heart is going more than 100 beats a minute and your stress hormones are coursing through your system, what happens is that our perspective gets really screwed up. We can't see the positives. We miss at least 50% of them. We start to coat neutral things with negative. But if we can kind of remind ourselves, wait a minute, this is not you know an agent of the evil empire <laughs> right, right now. Right, <laughs> you know, this right. is my partner. This is my spouse. He's mad. He's upset. He's hurt. She's this, she's that, or whatever, uh, but underneath that, there's some love and goodwill. When you can remember that, things can really start to unlock as well, and those seven rules of engagement make a huge difference for couples. Yeah. You know, the one thing that that I have to deal with with couples all the time that I notice that, that I have learned in my own marriage that I try and do, and I always ask my husband to do, is... Tell me what you want, not what you don't want. Yeah, yeah. Because really that kind of goes yeah. really with yeah. the rule that's, number that's it, fighting one. Fighting for something, yes. right. What do yeah. you want? Because I get you don't want that, but what 
do you want to? We can align toward that. And well, because I can't have, read your mind, you right, know. Right. You know, I, I don't even know what you really want. No. You know? And I know so, you're upset and dissatisfied, but what do you really want? And that, you know, sometimes people are just much easier to say what they don't want than to really realize what it is they do want, and that's really important. And when I ask people in mediation, okay, I, yeah. I heard you don't want that. I right. heard you don't want that. Right. He heard that or she heard that. Okay, so now tell me what it is that you do want. <laughs> and then they get stuck. They're going to look at you, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, I don't know. I just, I just know I don't want that. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. right. And, no, I think you're getting at something because most, a lot of times people don't know. They just know they're upset. They know something's bothering them, but they haven't identified what other behavior or action or result they really want. And then how can you move toward that until you yeah. really can get to that? It's really important what you're telling them. Yeah. Yeah, and and once they do get into that mode, then they they kind of switch from their limbic yeah. system to yeah. the you know to the their frontal lobe, so they yeah. get more into problem solving instead yeah. of fight flight or freeze. You know, right. no, it's really true. And you know, when you're in that fight flight or freeze, you you really can't problem solve. You can't think. No. You're just you're just like a you're more animal. You know, in yeah. that way, you're so right. And you get in that frontal lobe now. You. You can be creative. Then you can think of a vision. Then you can remember your heart opens, your consciousness expands. There's more possibilities. And to really help ourselves get to that bigger space that we all have, just sometimes we're just caught in that more limbic system yeah. reactions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we are animals, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we have these brains that are there to protect us, but we have right. to kind of get beyond that. Right, exactly. Now, in your book, The Heart of the Fight, you, yeah. you share some myths yeah. about intimacy and relationships. Yeah. Why don't you share some of those myths? Because I think people believe those myths. Oh, they do. You know, we, we give quizzes on it all the time, and everybody, you know, <laughs> everybody proves that they believe them from it. It's really, you know, one of them is, is you know, if, if I have a relationship, like the purpose of a relationship is to make me happy. You know, if I just got into a relationship, then I'd be happy. And we think that relationships are supposed to make us happy. No, they really can't. In fact, what the studies show is they do in the beginning because there's a newness and a fresh and you're learning from each other. But about a year and a half to two years into relationships, your happiness starts to level off, and you go back to the state of happiness you had before you ever met that person. We have like a set point for happiness, for this the hedonic set point. So then we think when that happiness kind of fades, we think there's something wrong or that we're in a bad relationship or our partner's a creep or, you know, we just we lose perspective. No, relationships are not supposed to make you happy. They are for you to learn and grow. You should have a wonderful, happy moment, but that's not the purpose of it. And it doesn't mean things are horrible. It means there's work to be done when that happiness set point gets triggered. And it means actually the real work of relating and becoming intimate it can really begin. A deeper love can come from that. Yeah. And, it, you know, it sounds trite to say, but we really have to learn to make ourselves happy, don't we? Yes, we really <laughs> do. You know, it's a problem. I want my husband to make me happy. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't want to take responsibility. Yes, he does some lovely things. I'm really appreciative. But I, it, I, there was really a big lesson for me that I had to really learn that I am responsible for my own happiness and satisfaction. And, in fact, there's a lot of freedom with that because we're not waiting for self. One, but it's really important that people understand that's not the purpose of of a relationship. That's that's one of the big big myths, you know. And, and a, you know another one is the, the myth of compatibility, like people thinking that oh we have so much in common we must be meant to be together. In fact, when you know people are dating, if you look at single sites, mostly people are saying you know I love this kind of music or food or walking right, on the beach or right. whatever, and I'm looking for somebody that likes the same thing. 
compatible, couples that are compatible aren't happier than couples that aren't. And those with common right. interests really aren't what relationships are about. And then people think, and sometimes you meet, at, like you meet at college or something where your interests are in common and then you grow in different ways and you think, well, we've grown apart. No, the compatibility isn't the issue. That's irrelevant, actually. It's that, it, and it kind of varies throughout a lifetime. It's not common interests. It's really common values. Yes. Common values and purposes, that really matters, but not compatible interests. Right. Yeah, I've, I've had couples who had such compatibility in terms of they both like to golf, they like yeah. to do the same things, they right. have fun, they like to travel, they like to, but they weren't communicating, they weren't right. connecting, they weren't intimate. Right. It's exactly right. And there's nothing there. So they take a bike ride together, or they do a sport together, but there's no real relating and knowing one another, and that's not intimacy that, at, at all. Yes, it's nice to have those things, but that's not, not it. And many people think that that's what a relationship's about. And it's really not. It's what you care about deep in your soul and in your heart, what matters yeah. to you, and being able to share those things and to have a common purpose as a couple that really matters and have values that you both align to. That matters way more than the activities you do. Exactly, exactly. Now, some people think that, you know, you if, when you get married, you should love yeah. me the way I am, that oh, I, yeah. I don't have to change, I don't have to do <laughs> yeah. anything. Or they think, I'm going to marry you and change you. <laughs> right, right. Oh, those are those are big ones, big myths that are really, really bad <laughs> because they set you up. It's like, you know, and the first part is like we all, I mean, at some level, we all want to be loved for who we are and you should accept me for who I am and there's some beginnings with that. But, but that's not even the point. What's really important in relationships is who you're becoming. Yes. What the studies show is that people that are learning and growing and becoming uh, greater and the more that you learn, learn and grow and you bring that back to your relationship and share perspectives and skills and ideas, those are the relationships that are the happiest. It's you being devoted to becoming the very best person that you can become and supporting your partner to become the person that they want to become, not to become the person you want them to become, right, but right. You know, their ideal self. That what the studies show in terms of relationship satisfaction, intimacy, it's when you're learning and growing and you're contributing to one another and you're supporting each other to really become your best. Oh, that's where the really satisfying relationships are. You know, love means you should accept me just as I am can really be an excuse for a lot of, it can make you really lazy in love, you know, like, right. hey, you knew, I was, you knew I was this way when you married me. What's the big deal? But also, on the other hand, not thinking someone will change. If they're not already on a growth curve, if they're not already committed to working on something, if they haven't or don't already have a track record of someone who's constantly learning and growing, then don't, don't think they're going to change. It's kind of setting yourself up. They may have potential, but I had a roommate who told me in college, said, you know, honey, you can't take potential to the bank. Right. And there's something <laughs> to that. You know, if they're not manifesting it, don't count on that. It's not, you can't change someone. That really is up to them. You can support them, but the change has to come from them. Yeah, yeah. I think about my first marriage. You know, yeah. I was so young. I yeah. met my husband when we were sophomores in college. Wow. And, um, you know, we got married young right when we graduated college and all that stuff. And I and I think it was so interesting how he always wanted me to change, and I think I wanted him to change. Yeah. And I remember he'd say to me, why can't you just be like the dog when I come home? <laughs> 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 you know, just sit there with your paws up and, you know, yeah. 
<laughs> just why can't you just be there? You know, and, and that isn't oh, me. You know, I'm, gosh, I'm outgoing yeah. and I'm right. doing things, and right. and so uh, that was interesting. But when I talked to people, like when we were writing our book, and yeah. I talked to a bunch of people who'd been married, you know, thirty, forty, fifty right. years, right. and I asked them, okay, wh- and seemed very happy, and yeah. I'd say, you know, what is the key to success? And they go, well. She lets me be me, and I let her be her, right. but we help each other to to be the best that we can be. Yeah, that's nice. It's that's, so beautiful, yeah, you know, really because you know, yeah. trying to change someone, and, and I'm probably guilty of this at times, and, no, and I know my husband is too. Right, you know, right. when I say, are you going to wear that shirt to church? Right, you right, know? Right. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and I think that's okay. It's how you handle that, you know, and, and if you can laugh at yourself about it, then, you know, there it is right there. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like we shouldn't uh, make comments and things, but right. it's not about really just willfully trying to change someone. So, and, and you know, if something's really bothering you and that shirt really is awful, then the, <laughs> Right. You know, find a way to talk about it. It's probably important too. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. But I mean, it, but trying to change them is, yeah. is is their inherent core. Like, yeah. you know, I'm never going to get my husband not to want to wear flip flops everywhere he goes. Right, you know, right, he right. lived in Hawaii. What can I tell you? Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. But I mean, certain things. You know, yeah. But but it it is accepting and really honoring them for who they are you know as and i'm sure you did this the same thing as you were writing the book with your husband i am sure that you <laughs> you were learning to practice what you preach <laughs> we were we were fighting all the way through it and you know it was great because we would fight to be heard or fight to have a a point or really right. and it actually helped us come to more creative solutions you know than just kind of giving in or or fighting I mean, actually out of those encounters new solutions, new ways of expressing things came out that we wouldn't have gotten to had we not gotten into those tussles about well, things. Yeah, I know when I was writing with my co-author, he, you know, we would practice yeah. these things. He would yeah. practice on his girlfriend, and I would <laughs> practice on Lloyd, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and then we'd come back and say, you know, what happened and say, oh, well, we got to change that exercise. <laughs> right, right. We just, just proved that one. Right, yeah. right. And then we, you know, we would practice on them, but then we also just... Yeah. Just being in a friendship, some of these yeah. same things apply. Like, how right. are you going to be respectful to listen to the another yeah. person's perspective? And yeah. and how are you going to, you know, really listen to the other person? Those are things that are needed in any relationship. Well, right? you know, we use, we use these same rules of engagement in corporate consulting and in businesses yes. and entrepreneur work because relationships are relationships. We've used it with parents and teenagers. We've used it with business associates because relationships are that. You know, and one of the things that we look at underneath with every... Every conflict, and one of the skills, we have these um, these rules of engagement. We have like six skills that we teach to kind of unlock this. But I just want to talk about the first one, Mary, just for sure. a moment, because you're kind of tapping at it. Is it really, it's, it's discovering what it is that you yearn for underneath. And, yes. you know, what is the, and to really be fighting for that. Because it's even, even behind your first husband asking, you know, I want you to greet me like a puppy, <laughs> you know, yeah. or whatever. But really what's underneath that is this, you know, the yearning that we all have to love and be loved, to be seen, to be heard, to be known, to be appreciated, to know that we matter, to, to make a difference, to belong. Those are those deep yearnings we have underneath all the time. And if we can start to communicate more at that level, Level, we don't just get fixated on certain behaviors because it's like we really do yearn to be seen, you know, and that's oftentimes yes. behind a lot of things. Like, I, I keep, I don't load the dishwasher the way my husband would like me to. I do right. actually now. I've learned. 
but I didn't. I didn't get the big deal. And I realized, wait, he yearns to be respected. He yearns to contribute. He has a yearning for order. He has a yearning to be seen and heard. And my just not doing it the way he'd requested over and over again was just saying, "You don't matter. You know, I don't see you." At the level, it's just a little thing, but it's not because everything is symbolic of those deeper yearnings. And for us to get in touch with those and be able to communicate those and learn to meet our own yearnings and meet those of our partner is one of the places where where the depth of intimacy really can take place. Yeah, and that gets back to really finding out for yourself, what do I really want? You know, what is it? Do I really want her to be a dog at the door? Or do I want her to greet me with love and affection, you know? Right. But um, but the way it was conveyed, and I was young, you know, I was 22 years old. But um, but I think now that, you know, with, with... growing up and and also having all of the education and the psychology that I've had and and just seeing what other couples go through I mean I I've learned a lot but I I love it that you actually have a whole page of universal yearnings um, which which help people to recognize well gee what is it or, you know, the, the whole idea of the language of love, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I know my husband now, and I've been with him 27 years. I know his language of love sure. is to is to do things for me, right, you right. know. My language of love is write me a poem. <laughs> right, right, right. It is might be filling your car up with gas, you know, or something to <laughs> take care of you in some way. And, it, and to really recognize those things as love notes that we wouldn't see if they don't fit our own perspective. And I think that's really important. And that affirmation, you know, we all yearn to be affirmed, you know, and to be seen and appreciated and to be able to see that with one another. And that's why that accentuating the positive is so important to really be able to, to thank each other and to affirm and acknowledge and to really see that because we all yearn to be seen you know we're all just the, the yearnings are the same of every human heart I have the same ones that everyone has and they're, they're very pure and beautiful but we're just so untrained we get focused on what we want which is oftentimes different than what we really yearn for you know, he wanted you to, your first husband wanted you to greet him like a puppy, but really what he yearned for is to be, to know that he was loved and that you were happy to see him in whatever that, way. Yeah, yeah, that unconditional love yeah, that, that yeah. my dogs give me now. Right. But we are just out of time. Do you believe how quickly that oh went, gosh, Judith? Oh my gosh, it flew by. <laughs> <laughs> it totally flew by. <laughs> I think we're on the same wavelength. Absolutely. That, absolutely. Well, this is a wonderful book, The Heart of the Fight, A Couple's Guide to 15 Common Fights, What They Mean and How They Can Bring You Closer by Judith Right and Bob Wright, and why don't you just give your website, and it's time for us to go. I would love that. It's heartofthefight.com, heartofthefight.com. You can download a free chapter. You can take some quizzes, and you can even receive a, a $800 training totally free, complimentary, to come learn these skills. So there's many, many prizes and gifts on heartofthefight.com. Well, thank you so much, and we will have you back again, Judith. You stay in touch, okay? I would love that. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.